It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Coming up, a sit-down with Russell Brown from Fantasy Pros on his latest first-round mock draft and which players he loves most for the Vikings at pick 23. It's all coming up next on the draft edition of the Football Party. Locked on Sports Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. It's your guys hanging out talking next level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings Insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota Football Party. And it starts now. Back in the lab, another edition of the Football Party on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network, your daily breakdown of everything Minnesota Vikings, which you can now find streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for and download our Lockdown Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's Sam Ekstrom on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom, co-host of the Ron Johnson Show every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Sam, Tuesday today, I'm taking over. Got to get into our weekly draft edition of the Football Party. But before we get to that... This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook partner of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. All right. So yesterday I was working on the latest NFL draft newsletter for Locked On, which, by the way, quick little plug. If you haven't already, go sign up for my weekly draft newsletter on the Lockdown homepage. Super easy. Just find the newsletter tab right at the top. It's free. All you got to do is punch in your email and boom, once a week, catch up on all the latest news, notes, and buzz surrounding the NFL draft. But anyway, Sam, because I was working so diligently on that, I missed the football party yesterday with you guys. Now I got a little bit of FOMO. Quick 20, 30 second recap of what I missed yesterday, what the hot topics of discussion Mm -hmm. were, if the people haven't checked it out already yeah you bet uh well happy spring luke by the way i know it doesn't feel like it or look like it outside but uh we missed you we missed you yesterday i would say i asked luke braun and arif Hassan a bunch of detailed uh cap questions because i i see to them when it comes to the particulars of contracts and they tried to explain to me what's happening with zadarius smith's uh Zadarius Smith's contract. What's happening with Dalvin Cook's status? What happens with the Kirk Cousins' dead money if somehow they traded him? Can they uh, extend Justin Jefferson without adding money to their cap this year? I asked him a lot of cap questions. So we got that out of the way. We addressed uh, the Lamar Jackson. I wouldn't even call it a rumor, more like a whisper that Mm. the Vikings could be linked to Lamar Jackson. We talked about that. And then we got into, has the Vikings' defense really improved? in this free agency period. And we kind of went like player for player. Okay. They exchange Patrick Peterson for Byron Murphy. 
they exchanged Dalvin Tomlinson for Dean Lowry and stuff like that. We kind of went down the line and figured out, well, it, I don't know if it's really improved except for the coordinator. And that is the big caveat to all of this is that can Flores take these new pieces, maybe not as talented, but can he shape them and put them into his puzzle and make it all work on the Vikings defense? That was all yesterday on the Minnesota football party. Now more than ever, you realize after what the defense went through last year, just how important coaching is. I think Brian Flores will make an instant impact on this defense in 2023, but it remains to be seen just how much talent he's going to have to work with going from last year to this year. Good stuff, though. Be sure to check that out. And remember, too, every day, posting a new poll over the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube page. Go smash that subscribe button, leave us a comment, and on Twitter, give us a follow. It's at Lockdown. M-I-N. All right, so sat down with Russell Brown earlier. He just came out with his latest round one mock draft. Had the Vikings picking someone. I think you're absolutely going to love Sam. I don't want to spoil it yet if you haven't seen it. But anyways, he's a big Detroit Lions guy. Writes with our guy Jeff Risden over at Lions Wire for USA Today, friend of the show. There was two big non-Vikings talkers we discussed. First was Jalen Carter. Is he still going top 10? He thinks he is. And he's got him going to the Bears at number nine, which for Vikings fans, I would imagine, would be absolute nightmare scenario if that works out and he's in the division for the next decade. But the second topic, I asked him about the Lions' interest in quarterback Hendon Hooker and how much mm. steam that has at pick 18. Jerry Goff, of course, a free agent next offseason. So it sounds like for a guy who hasn't been able to really work out or throw it all coming off that rehab from the ACL. He's been one of the bigger risers of the pre-draft process, absolutely been crushing the team interviews and things like that. Russ even said if he was healthy and a few years younger, he'd be a surefire top 15 pick, something I've maybe tried to tell some people listening at home. This guy is legit. But my question here, Sam, We've talked a lot about not extending Kirk Cousins and possibly drafting a guy like Hooker to replace him now at pick 23. Well, if you're Quasey and you're hearing some steam now, is that a situation where you think fans would be okay moving up five, six spots now to go get him before the Lions have their chance at pick 18? I guess just your overall thoughts, where you stand on the whole hand in Hooker and the mm -hmm. Vikings quarterback situation in the big picture both this year and I guess two three years down the road as well yeah well I do think the decision on Kirk Cousins to not give him any form of extension does force your hand to have a little bit more urgency mm. at the quarterback position um, I, I don't know if you are legitimately looking for your quarterback of the future I don't know if you can wait beyond the first round I mean if you want to try to find someone in rounds three and beyond Good luck to you, but the hit rate on those quarterbacks is just so much lower. Uh, Dak Prescott's do not grow on trees. Brock Purdy's and Tom Brady's don't grow on trees. The, the percentage of quality starting quarterbacks in this league taken round three or, or, or round four and beyond is so low. So if you want to make that move, you really need to do it in the first round, and the Vikings don't have a second-round pick uh, as of now. So... I do think that if you want to bring in the successor this year to sit behind Cousins, which I would endorse, I would rather have somebody learn for a year, uh, especially Hendon Hooker, who you know needs to recover from a knee injury. Um, I am not concerned about Hendon Hooker's knee, number one. I just think that ACL rehabs are just so 
refined and well-tuned now. Guys come back in eight months and, and generally have successful careers. That doesn't worry me. Age doesn't worry me either, Luke. I, I don't think you can exclude a guy based on what he will be in 2032. Like, that's just so, that's thinking so far down the road. Quarterbacks should be able to play till they're, they're 35 easily. So if you get Hendon Hooker for a rookie contract and then an entire second contract, I think you'd be happy with that. Like, I don't think you need to be worried if you don't get him for year 12, if he's not as good, who cares, right? So I don't care about the age. I don't care about the knee. Um, I, I, I think it's the, the question is, do you want to sacrifice draft capital to go up and get the guy, right? I mean, so so the question is, where are you moving up to? Are you moving up to 18? Are you moving up to 12? Uh, is Hendon Herker going to gain steam and suddenly be a top 10 quarterback? Probably not. I don't think so. Um, but can you afford to sit back and wait for him to drop to 23? I don't know that either. Um, I think if you strongly believe in Hendon Hooker, knowing the situation you're in with Kirk Cousins' contract, you could be quarterbackless next year, and you don't know. Like Next year is just an unknown, Luke. You don't know who the prospects are going to be. You don't know who's going to emerge um, or whether it's a quarterback rich first round or, or a quarterback poor first round. So this might be your time. This might be your time to capture a top 10 talent uh, at value later in that first round. And maybe if you're moving up from just say 23 to 19, 23 to 18, maybe it's not that big of a price tag. So mm. I think it needs to be considered. I think Hendon Hooker is great. I think you've talked me into him and I did some more digging on it. His, his turnover worthy plays are so low. He's really careful with the football, but he's still, he's not cautious. He's careful, but he's not cautious. He's first in yards per attempt in college football. That's like a super explosive quarterback who doesn't make many mistakes and he's athletic. So I, I love him as a prospect and I'm not too worried about some of those red flags that others are. 28 to 2 touchdown to interception ratio, Sam, before he went down with that ACL injury. And to your point, to echo what you said at the top, my question is if you don't get Hooker, who are you going to get? Because there's such mm -hmm. a drop off, like you said, from him to the next guy, Tanner McKee from Stanford. And I've said this before he doesn't tear his ACL, he's a top 10, 15 guy all day. So the fact that you can even get him in this range is a huge blessing to begin with. And you still got to worry about teams like Detroit at 18, Tampa at 19, Seattle at 20. What if the Ravens trade Lamar Jackson? They're picking right before you at 22. So it's serious shark infested waters. You've got to kind of navigate through. But when it comes to my quarterback position, Sam, I just don't want to get cute. I don't want to gamble. You know, it's just not about getting any guy to sit behind Kirk for a year. It's about getting the right guy. As you said, yeah, you can take some flyers on, you know, day two, day three, but good luck with that. I mean, you still got to hit on the pick is my point, because, you know, as much as we love KOC, he's not a guy or a coach who can all of a sudden just take any day three quarterback and turn him into the next Brock Purdy. You still need talent. And for me, the right guy, that's still in a reasonable landing spot from where you're picking, you know, outside mm -hmm. CJ Stroud, Levis, Richardson, all that talk. It's it's Hendon Hooker, and that's it. So I want him as we move closer to the draft. I think they may have to move up to get him. And if that's the case, I say, you know what, Sam, then so be it. Because if you win eight or nine games, let's just say, which you know I think they plan on doing, 
you'll be in the same exact position next draft where no one special is just going to fall right in your lap and you're going to have to trade up inside the top 10 or top five to go get one of those top quarterback prospects. So why not just do it now? Especially when you're already getting great value with a guy like him dropping a lot further than he normally would, I think, any other year. So yeah, bottom line, if they don't extend Kirk, which it feels like they won't with every day that just passes. Getting a guy like him behind him to learn now while you have this little buffer, this year window, I think would just be so beneficial in the long run because otherwise, what's the alternative? All right, you go get a rookie next year. You're going to have to move up to go get him. That's using more draft stock for the future. And then what are you going to do? Are you going to let him start week one? Probably not. So now you got to do that thing. Not a lot of people really enjoy where you got to bring in the veteran to be the bridge for the first five, six, seven weeks. Like a, Cam Newton's making a, a comeback. Yeah, maybe Cam Newton. Yeah, Andy Dalton. <laughs> Break out the, the jersey, buddy. It, yeah, the Joe Flacco's, a Marcus Marietta. I mean, that's no fun. Nobody wants that either. So I guess just final thoughts, Hooker, quarterback, Vikes, Kirk, any just last parting words here to wrap up? I that That's... It's the perfect situation because it really is that because then it's one year. It's very clean cut. He gets one year to recover physically, learn mentally behind Kirk Cousins. Maybe Kirk feels the pressure. He feels the heat. Maybe that makes him play even better. I don't know. I don't know what that will do to Kirk. Um, because, I mean, at that point, the writing is so clearly on the wall that maybe it, it makes an awkward situation. I don't know. But you need to deal with that at some point. Um, I just I love Hooker's profile. I mean, he he. It's not as if he was a one hit wonder. He was good for Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. He was good for Tennessee. Couple different offenses. Obviously, he was asked to do a lot more at Tennessee in terms of throwing the football. But he's not overly dependent on his legs or athleticism. He has a ton of arm talent and can still be an athlete in the open field. He's a really cool prospect. Seems to take a lot of sacks. Um, maybe you know needs to to uh, be a little more pocket conscious. Um, it seems like his pressure to sack rates very high. Other than that, I mean, there's not a lot of knocks on Hendon Hooker, at least knocks that concern me. I know people will get caught up in the age thing, but hey, 25 years old, that's still pretty young for a quarterback, honestly. Yeah, no, a lot of good points there. And here's the ultimate test for me if I'm kind of on the fence about how high to draft a guy. How upset would I be if he got sniped, say, one pick before us or another team inside the division drafted this guy and now I got to play him twice a year? And I'm telling you right now, if the Lions stole him at pick 18, I would be so bummed, no matter how great our own draft Mm -hmm. turned out that year. If I have to watch Hooker get sniped five picks before us and he goes inside the division – I'm just letting you, I'll be wildly upset to say the least because quarterback is just such an important position in this league now and resetting your salary cap with a quarterback on a rookie deal is just such a huge advantage in the league right now. And that's how I know I'd be more than okay and can justify moving up to go get him to make sure that doesn't happen. That's kind of my super scientific analytical testing breakdown when I'm on the fence about a guy. So <laughs> I, I we got a patent pending on that. So don't try to shark tank me yeah. here, Sam, well and stated. steal that one. All right, Sam, get your popcorn out. I want to get into this sit down with Russell Brown and who he thinks the Vikings should take in round one. But first, don't forget, we're presented by FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of Locked On, America's number one sports book and official sports book partner of the NBA. Did you see this last night? Sam T-Wolves take care of business last night. First, oh, the yeah. Knicks 140-136 
Dorian Prince, have yourself a day. Eight for eight? Is that what I saw from three-point land? 35 mm-hmm. points in all? They play the Hawks tomorrow night in the backyard at the Target Center. Get in on all the action at FanDuel.com slash locked on. And remember, if you're a new customer, try out the no-sweat first bet. Up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Download the easy-to-use FanDuel app and get your winnings instantly. Money lines, parlays, prop bets. FanDuel's got everything you need to close out the NBA season's final stretch. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of Locked On. All right. Our sit-down with Fantasy Pros and Lions Wire contributor, Russell Brown, who unveils his latest round one mock draft. Take a listen. Back in the lab, special guest, you know him, I love him, the Harry to my Lloyd, Russell Brown on Twitter, at Russ NFL Draft. Russ, first things first, man, huge news all over my Twitter timeline yesterday. Russell Brown signs a 10-year deal, max contract with Fantasy Pros, and you deserved it, man. How does it feel? What kind of work can we expect from you over the draft season now over there? It's, I mean, honestly, it's crazy, man. I I can't believe it's a conversation even being had. Um, I thought cover one was going to get like tatted on my chest as I go down in a (laughs) casket someday, but uh, no, I mean, it's, it's been awesome. It was one of those, it was like really bittersweet, but I had to kind of do something different, change it up a little bit. And an opportunity came and I just can't pass this one up. And I'm really excited to, to work with the guys over at, at Fantasy Pros. I mean, it's just a phenomenal website with phenomenal tools from the NBA to Major League Baseball, NHL, NFL, college football, everything that they do from that perspective, getting your daily fantasy lineup set up and then just, you know, the betting pro stuff. I'm really pumped about it, but my main focus will be the NFL draft and, you know, just pretty much the same stuff that you've kind of been seeing from me over the years. I mean, we're talking mock drafts, we're talking prospect rankings. um, We're we're looking at some deep dives into players as far as film breakdowns and maybe why a player fits here and why a player fits there and um, just a bunch of, bunch of fun stuff. And and we'll kind of see kind of catching on a little late for this draft with them, but I think uh, it'll be just great learning experience and growth early on. And then really next summer and fall, we're going to just take it off. No doubt. Well said. Fantasy pros needs no introduction. One of the best in the biz. NFL draft, obviously your bread and butter. So again, huge congrats. Mm-hmm. I texted you Thank last you night when I saw the big news. Just so pumped for you. To some draft talk, shall we? Uh, <laughs> to the draft sure. we go. Very first pieces dropped yesterday over at Fantasy Pros. That was your newest first-round mock draft. And I want to talk about the Vikings, Lions, little NFC North picks. But before we go there, we got to start at the top with the number one pick. And I got to say, man, I just love who you put at the top going first overall. I don't want to spoil it yet, but I will say I've been working on the Locked On NFL Draft newsletter for this upcoming week, and I did a little deep dive on what Frank Reich, who's known you know throughout the league now as a quarterback guru, what he looks for in his prototypical quarterbacks when he's kind of handpicking his own guy. And we both stumbled upon the same crazy stat. Reich, during his time coaching, has coached seven different starting quarterbacks, Peyton Manning, Rivers, Carson Wentz, Nick Foles, Matt Ryan, and Jacoby Brissett. Russ, what do they all have in common, those seven quarterbacks? Six foot four, taller, baby. Six foot four, taller. So Wright clearly has a thing for tall quarterbacks, or at least maybe you call it a certain threshold, if you will. And Mm -hmm. while Stroud, CJ Stroud, that is, Ohio State, he jumped up to the odds on favorite to go number one overall once the Panthers traded up. You're thinking like I do that actually – 
Anthony Richardson could be the first overall pick. What do you like about that marriage in Carolina outside of just the size Richardson brings? He meets that six foot four threshold and just how truly special of a prospect is this guy? Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. If they end up going CJ Stroud, I completely understand it. I think it's a great fit. I still think Stroud's one of the 10 best players in this draft. So it makes sense from that perspective, but the reason why I think Anthony Richardson is the guy is, yes, because of the size threshold, even though the Panthers will decline it and say, oh, that's not part of the thing and all that. And they are still weighing their options. We do know that. They they have all four of these QBs up at the top, and they're going to start picking them apart and kind of putting their board together. But I think when it's all said and done, they're going to look at overall the upside of this team. They know that, hey, we're not going to win in year one per se regardless of the rookie quarterback. So let's go out and get the guy with the highest upside that's going to work the best with Frank Reich in this offense, and we can build around him. I mean, Miles Sanders and Anthony Richardson kind of sounds nasty in its own right. You have Adam Thielen, not too bad as a wide receiver too. You still have an early day two pick to where you could potentially get a receiver that falls out of the first round. Who's to say that, you know, maybe Quentin Johnston or Jordan Addison, maybe one of those guys drop into the second round. Anything's possible. So I just think it's from that. But but when you just look at the tape of, of Richardson, I mean, he's so mobile. His arm is so big and he is actually so good at maneuvering in the pocket. It's like the most underrated trait of his, of his skill set. Mm, and love that. he, he's able to just move like a pro. And I think that's the big thing that st- stands out to me. I think if he can learn to throw with more touch and anticipation, he is going to be far and away a stud in this draft, but he's got to learn how to do that. And I, I just think who better than Frank Reich? Yeah, a lot of good points there. And Stroud, who is the odds on favorite right now at like minus 220, depending on what site you find him? He's only six foot three. So you sit there and ask yourself, all right, is that little bit of height, is that one inch really going to sway Reich one way or the other? And it might, it might not. He may fall in love with Stroud and be more the polished pocket presence. I could totally see that. But if you're just betting on the tools and the upside, like you said, Richardson might be the best prospect we've seen come in in over a decade. He's that special. A lot of work. But if it's a two, three, four-year plan anyways, then what's it really matter if he's a project? You want to bet on those tools and upside because you don't ever plan on being in this position where you have the opportunity to not only have the number one pick, but have the number one pick in a draft class that has such an elite upside project like Anthony Richardson. Um, Moving on. First NFC North pick, you got the Lions taking Christian Gonzalez. And I got to say, I really fell in love with Devon Witherspoon thus far. I know it's early in the process. And it's really kind of pick your poison one and one A, it seems like, for a lot of people. But I'm not going to lie. I'm starting to really come back around on Gonzalez. What separates Gonzalez from Witherspoon? And what makes him so special? Yeah, I mean, he's a super fluid athlete, right? Like, I think that's the thing that that stands out to me the most. He is so fluid within his lower half. There are times that he can jump on slant patterns and dig routes better than just about anybody. He's so competitive and aggressive through the catch point. He's got those long arms. He's one of those former track and field guys back in high school, ran the 200 meter dash in, in just under 22 seconds. And it's one of those things like the kid can move, he can fly. And when you look at the Lions and the way that they've kind of structured their roster, think back to last year. Okay. They made that deal with the Vikings. They moved up 
drafted Jamison Williams. But when you look at it, they signed a bunch of receivers going into the draft, but they signed all of those guys on one-year, two-year deals, and they could get out of them. They're affordable deals, prove-it deals like DJ Chark. And that's kind of what they did here with Emmanuel Mosley, a one-year, $6 million deal. Cam Sutton they brought in for a three-year deal at $33 million, but it's essentially a two-year deal. You bring in guys like this, and you're building up your defense, and that's, to me, saying, hey – we're going all in as much as we can over these next two years. And what we're going to do is we're going to bring in a young defensive talent like this at corner, develop him up. He's going to learn from guys like Sutton and Mosley and Okuda, and he's going to eventually become our stud on the outside of our defense. We've already got our cornerstone in Aiden Hutchinson. We're going to build this thing up. We're going to still put up 24 to 30 points a game offensively. And now the key is to kind of hold teams to – you know, 21 points and under. And I think by doing that, this is what they do. And, and, and I will say to Devin Witherspoon, I really like him as a prospect, but he is going to be an outlier. He's only 181 pounds. The next closest to that that we've seen over the last couple of years, as far as first rounders, Denzel Ward at 183 mm. pounds, mm-hmm. who went, you know, very early to the Cleveland Browns. And he's been great. Not saying Witherspoon can't be, but he's had the hamstring injury that he's battled through all offseason. And it's one of those where when I see guys with lower body ailment injuries, I start getting really hesitant because those flare back up in the pros mm-hmm. and then they're never the same. So as much as, a, as as Witherspoon is a dog, I like Christian Gonzalez. I have through this entire process and I just desperately want my team to draft good football players. It says you it know, <laughs> Yeah, well said. Well said. You know what put me over the top? You remember last summer when the Lions were on HBO's Hard Knocks and they showed David David Blau's wife, Melissa Gonzalez, or his sister, getting up there for the Olympics. That's his sister, man. Like, so you talk about good genes, you talk about the track speed genes going on. Uh, Christian Gonzalez has that in spades. Um, Are the Lions thinking about Hendon Hooker at all? And why I ask is because, well, first of all, I want Hooker for the bikes at 23. That's my guy. That's my pick. We can get into that conversation another time. But if the Lions are in play for Hooker, like I've heard they are with their second pick, pick 18 overall, then aren't they in theory in play for a quarterback at six, then two? Like if you want to invest in your quarterback position at 18, then you should be willing to do the same at pick six, then two, right? If the right guy is there. Absolutely. I mean, and that's what I think it boils down to is the right guy there. I think the right guy for them is Anthony Richardson. I don't think he's going to be there. If he is, I think that they would run to the podium and take him. And that's kind of the plan. Um, and I do have on, on, on good notes of that. The lions had been to Florida at least five times this year to Florida games to scout the talent that's on that roster. Now it could be, you know, a, a defensive uh, player. It could be, an offensive lineman like Osiris Torrance, but there's a good chance that it's going to be Anthony Richardson. Now that said, he won't be available. So to the point of Hendon Hooker, I'm very much on board with that. That would more so be that second round pick. I'm fine with taking him early at pick 48. You'd probably have to move up to even get him Mm. uh, because he's just had a great pre-draft process. People I've spoken with, they've said, Hey, He's killing these interviews. Like he's great on the whiteboard. He is crushing it. So maybe there's a chance he slips in the back end of the first round just simply because teams know he won't be there. Uh, But there's so much to like with his game. He was playing at such a high level before the ACL. I mean, we would have been talking about him as a Heisman Trophy candidate had he not got hurt. So I I love his skill set. I think as a player that had really the odds stacked against him throughout his time at Virginia Tech and transferring an older prospect. 25, 26 years old, I don't care. You can turn an offense over to him, and he's going to manage the games just fine. And that might be why Detroit's a perfect fit, because you might be able to get 
a little bit of Jared Goff there with maybe a little bit more upside. And you're going to get it on a cheaper deal, at least for the next four or five years. Yeah, well said there again. And I feel like for a guy who hasn't been able to lace up the cleats and and show scouts and coaches and GMs what he can do on the field during this pre-draft process, he sure has helped himself a lot and boosted his draft stock, as you said, apparently killing a lot of team interviews. And I know there's a wide range, a huge net casted on where he could go. I'm just saying when those big four go quickly, most likely in the top 10, if not even top five, who knows, then and those last two or three teams that need a quarterback for the future and want to get a quarterback on a rookie deal to start building their team around, they're all going to look at the same guy. It's going to be Hendon Hooker. And I just mm-hmm. think that may drive up his ultimate draft spot and selection when it's all said and done. Vikes at 23. Some people say I'm nuts. I think that would be the perfect sweet spot. Speaking of sweet spot, you got the Vikes in your mock draft going offense with the receiver here. Talk to the people about the wideout you've got Quasi Adolfo Mensa taking and what you like about this group of wideouts in this range, because there seems to be quite a bit of them, and it's kind of pick your flavor, so to speak. Absolutely. And I mean, there's a chance that Jackson Smith and Jigba is available at this spot just simply because he didn't run a 40-yard dash. He's coming off an injury. I did have him go relatively high in this mock draft at eighth overall to the Atlanta Falcons, uh, which I could get into, but I won't just for the sake of time, but the Vikings at 23, I have them with Quentin Johnston out of, out of TCU. And I think it's a great fit. They lost Adam Thielen. As we know, they let him go, but you're going to replace him with a six foot three, 208 pound receiver that posted a 41 and a half inch vertical. I mean, he's super explosive. It shows on tape. It showed at the combine. He has that ability to run after the catch. And when you give that guy those design screens, he can take it to the house. He can get you big gains. And while there are times that, I don't think he plays with kind of that alpha mentality that we've seen from guys in the past. You know, C.D. Lamb had that dog mentality. Jamar Chase, dog mentality. Justin Jefferson, dog mentality. But you're 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 bringing him in to complement your dog, and that's what Johnson can do. And I think he would do a really good job within this offense, operating with K.J. Osborne, T.J. Hawkinson, Justin Jefferson, obviously Dalvin Cook out of the backfield. I think there's a lot of potential with with Quentin Johnston. It's just. What are we going to get from him in the first two to three years? How long does it take to get that kind of dog out of him? Or is it what you see is what you get? And are you happy with that? I think that's the big question with this kind of receiver group, but specifically speaking him, uh, because there's just there's there's so much to like, but there's so much still left to be desired. Yeah, 10 to 25 in the draft order feels like the run on cornerbacks. I'm not kidding you. Almost every single team in that range you could justify they could go corner. 20 to like 30, 35 feels like the sweet spot again where you start to see a run on wide receivers. Chargers, Mm -hmm. Baltimore Ravens, Minnesota Vikings. At this point, a lot of the same names it feels like keep getting thrown out. Same players, same team fits. So I want you to rank these four guys just top to bottom for the Vikings at pick 23. And I'm just going to take Hendon Hooker out of the equation just for this exercise. These are four names that commonly get brought up when the Vikings are talked about at pick 23. Kalijah Cansey, D-tackle Pitt. Deontay Banks, cornerback Maryland. Miles Murphy, edge Clemson. Early in the process, he's gone top five, top ten. Now it feels like he may be slipping a little bit. Jalen Hyatt, a different wide receiver, Tennessee. Those four, how would you rank them if you were a Vikings fan? Where would you want to see them drafted? One to four. 
Yeah, it, w- it would be Miles Murphy at the top. I, I think he's the most overlooked player in this draft. Um, he had 21 pressures or 21 hurries, excuse me, per pro football focus last year, which is pretty pretty darn good. Um, he had six and a half sacks, which led the way for Clemson. It was just kind of a different year for him. Remember, they lost their defensive coordinator, Brent Venables. He goes to Oklahoma to become the head coach. So it was kind of an off year for him, but there's so much to be desired with him. You're talking six foot five, 272 pounds. He's got a, a just a blend of power, speed to his game. He's just explosive off the snap, great motor. I think one of the five or six best players, if you can land him there at 23, I think that's a freaking steal. Um, Other than that, Deontay Banks would be number two for me. I like him a lot. He's very physical, very fluid. Uh, Somebody that's going to get way too grabby in the NFL. It's going to be some some PI penalties there. But at the same time, there's so much to love with his game. He goes up, he gets it. And when you talk about a physical man corner, this this is your guy. Um, After that, I would say Kalijah Kansi. Uh, out of pit just simply because he has such a good pass rush plan. He's so active with his hands. He's able to lift offensive linemen kind of at, you know, at the point of attack and get rid of them by just hitting their elbows, lifting up, swiping their hands. He's so quick with his hands and so explosive. Now he is again, an outlier because he's undersized, super short arms. Those guys don't always succeed in the NFL as we know, But when you're a team like Minnesota, you're pretty well-rounded. You might be able to afford to take him in round one. Um, And then Jalen Hyatt, I would just throw at the end there. I don't even think he's the best Tennessee receiver in this draft. Mm -hmm. I think Cedric Tillman is. Mm -hmm. I think he's your prototypical X at 6'3", 213 pounds. He can climb the ladder. He high points the football. I've got a soft spot for guys that can can catch 50-50 balls and can be a decent route runner. Jalen Hyatt, he's just a speedster. We don't see him run a lot of routes. So I'm just and, – and he didn't blow the doors off the combine like everybody thought either. So I think, you know, that's a little rich for me at 23, especially if you're passing on Johnston or Addison or something like that, the more rounded receivers, just to kind of take that flyer, that speedster. It seems like in the process, two Clemson D linemen, Miles Murphy and Brian Brzee, the D tackle, both getting overshadowed or just overlooked. Mm -hmm. Is it like this Cleveland Farrell effect where Clemson D linemen, maybe that have gone early, we've gotten a little bit burned on in the last two, three, four, five years. Is that why they aren't getting the love? Why do you think those two big names who, when we started this pre-draft process, we all just assume we'd hear their name thrown out in the top 10 quite a bit, but you see the Mel Kuypers, you see the Todd McShays, just not a ton of buzz. Like at least I personally thought we would hear at this point in the process. Any idea why? Yeah, I, I think with with uh, with both these guys, it's you're talking about highly ranked recruits. I mean, Brissy was a, a number one ranked recruit coming out of high school, and he was kind of trending in the right direction. Then he tore his ACL. He had the shoulder injury at the end of his past year. It's one of those things where I think the injuries kind of slowed him down a bunch, and he just. I don't want to say he hasn't been the same player. He's been pretty consistent. He still holds his own at the point of attack. He can create separation with his length and he's pretty versatile, but I think for him, it's positional value. I mean, interior defensive linemen, just if you're not, if you're not like Jalen Carter on the field, you're not, you're not going to go in the top 10, the top 15, unless a team has that need for an interior defensive lineman with Murphy. I don't understand it. Like I said, I think he's just super overlooked. I, I still think he's going to be a top 15 pick. I think back to the days of Rashawn Gary, when everybody was like, Oh, what is he? I was even one of those people. I didn't know what he was at the next level, mm-hmm. but he goes to green Bay. He's still a top 15 pick and he's a plug and play guy for them. That's going to be the same thing here. I think Murphy, you know, 
Patriots at 14, Packers at 15, I think are all very likely landing spots for him. Uh, last time we had you on, you turned us all on to Julius Brents, cornerback, Kansas State, former Iowa transfer, big, tall, lanky, physical. You said, watch out for this kid down at the Senior Bowl. He might be special. Sure enough, dude rips it up. You were all over it. Who's another biggest riser or sleeper you can give us that you really like? You just don't think getting enough love right now. It can be any round, any position, but just a guy you feel like is projected to go lower than he should be right now. Well, I would say Darnell Wright from Tennessee. Uh, he was somebody that had a great senior bowl, has a great pre-draft process, has great tape. He looks like a first-rounder at this point. Um, I'm going to go with with a guy that hasn't really been talked about a ton, and that's Tyreek Stevenson out of Miami, Florida. He was mm. a senior bowl guy. Um, per, P- per PFF, he earned like an 80 coverage grade, um, but he only gave up, you know, 17 receptions this past year, eight, maybe 18 receptions. And he was somebody that down at the senior bowl, like really fluid as far as an athlete goes. I mean, he is, you know, super explosive. He can jump, he can run. He ran a four, four, five. I like the length within his, his, his skill set. He's versatile too. I think he can play inside and outside. He's going to more than likely be a day two pick, but it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up going a lot sooner than people think. I'd be really curious if he ends up going sooner than uh, Keely Ringo out of Georgia, who just isn't, he doesn't really have that first round tape. And I think Stevenson kind of has a little bit more intriguing tape. So I think those guys are a lot closer than people say. And it just wouldn't surprise me if early in the second round, if the team uh, ended up taking Tyreek Stevenson. I'm so glad you called out Keely Ringo in the tape. I'm just not there. I'm just not seeing it. I, yeah. I mean, I get it six foot two, you know, running the blazing sub four, four forty, but outside of that, the five-star recruit, the, the big name, couple stellar games, you know, two years ago, outside of that, there's too many good cornerbacks right now to just justify saying, oh, well, I'm just going to take Keely Ringo because it's Keely Ringo. I just can't do yeah. it right now. Plenty of time still left to figure all that out. But right now, just doesn't feel like a guy, if my team took him at 23, gets me very excited. You know, I would feel yeah. a little underwhelmed. Yeah, no, and I think the weird thing is, is, you know, a lot of people will rip on the national media like Kuiper and stuff like that for his mock mm-hmm. drafts, but he didn't have them in his like first one. And all of a sudden, the very next day, there's videos of Ringo running 40s and all this stuff. And it's like, right. well, mm-hmm. there's something more to this than that meets the eye. And I, I haven't been able to like uncover what it is, but I just, again, the tape doesn't really match. I thought there was times that he was just out of position not as fluid with his hips as far as flipping him and, and running upfield. Um, I thought there were times that he didn't close with proper angles. So I'm just, he's intriguing, but just not intriguing enough when we look at a deep cornerback class. Agreed. All right, last one. Who's a guy or two you'd be banging the table for if you're in the war room in the first round that you just don't hear being talked about that way? Because for me, like, I know it's illegal to take running backs on day one. We can't do it anymore. I get it. And no one talks about him because B. John Robinson is the man. And I get that too. He's a stud. But Jamar Gibbs, I'm just telling you right now, he is a stud. And I think in a pass-happy league, this Mm -hmm. dude's going to be a baller. He's going to be a playmaker for the next six, seven years, calling it now. I totally get why he won't go in round one, but I think he's every bit worth a round one grade in my book. Who's a guy like that for you? You mentioned Darnell Wright. That would have been another good example. Maybe another guy in that kind of stratosphere. Yeah, Anton Harrison out of Oklahoma, really mm-hmm. good tape, super consistent, 6'5", 315, tested really well. You're talking explosive, an athlete, only gave 
uh, one sack this past year uh, off of like 450 pass block snaps. I like the length. I like how he locks out defenders consistently. He moves people in the run game and he just buries guys into the dirt. So he's got really fun tape. Another name, Maisie Smith out of uh, Michigan doesn't get talked about a lot. I have both these guys in my first round mock on fantasypros.com. But Maisie Smith was somebody that had like the Bruce Feldman's top freak list and was was going to do all these great things. Only did the bench at the combine, put up 34 reps though. But we're talking about a six foot three, 323 pound interior defensive lineman that's versatile. He can play as a four eye. He's got a, a great ability as as far as a two eye and as a zero shade there as a nose. He's got a, a push pull move that he has, a swim move. I think as you as you talk about interior defensive linemen, as we talked with like Brissy, not a not a lot of value there. But when you're talking about a guy like this who could potentially go in the back end of the first round, you, you look at maybe New Orleans, Kansas City, or even early on day two. I think he's just great value. And he had a really consistent year. He had kind of an off the field issue as far as a gun charge. I think that kind of all got cleared up there at the University of Michigan. But I, I think he's a really fun player and, and kind of overlooked. And I think he's got three down abilities. So uh, wouldn't surprise me if teams with multiple first First, end up finding a way to, to get their hands on him. Love it. Before we get you out of here, one deep sleeper, a Tariq Woolen goes in the fifth round last year. You know, a Martin Emerson, a third round guy. Just a guy, if you're running the GM war room for Detroit, you sit there and you go, you know what? We're going to wait on this guy. I think we can get him in round three or round four, but I just really love him for the value where he's going to go. Just one sleeper like that. Yeah. I mean, I don't talk to sexy guys too much. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a big, ugly kind of guy. I love yes, the trenches. Sir. It's, it's where you make your money. And you mentioned third round. I, I got an offensive tackle out of Alabama, Tyler Steen, who mm. really impressed me the more and more I watched of him. He wasn't somebody who was on my radar and I, I couldn't stop watching the tape. I mean, there are times that you watch him get blown back like two yards, three yards in the backfield. And he somehow just like claws his feet into the ground, cements himself, anchors, rolls his hips, and locks out these guys that are blitzing from the cornerback spot to guys that are blitzing up the the B-gap, C-gap. He is very consistent across the board, and I just love the way he locks out consistently. I like the way he steers defenders, and again, with that anchor, he looks like kind of like a guard, but I think he could play a swing tackle in a pinch, and I I think when you look in the third, fourth round, he's going to go to a place like freaking New England and become a plug-and-play guy. He's going to go to Baltimore, be a plug and play guy for six, seven, eight years. It's sick. Gonna, it's sick it, how these teams do this. It's yeah. Sick. And I'm giving you the facts now. So get yep. on your team and tell yep. them draft this guy. <laughs> Cause he's, I mean, he's pretty solid, man. He was a former kid at Vanderbilt, played defensive line, moved offense. He he's slowly figuring it out. And I think in the NFL after this past year at Alabama, there's a lot of promising tools and traits to work with. I will say you've been on Tyler Steen hype train for a little bit. Now I've seen you tweeting about him, chopping up the film. So for sure you heard it here first, Russ NFL draft on Twitter, calling his shot with Tyler Steen. All right, brother. I say it every time I could pick your brain all day long. I'll get you out of here though. Hopefully get you on again sometime soon. Congrats on the new gig. Follow him again if you're not already on Twitter at Russ NFL Draft and all his great work now over at fantasypros.com, including his brand new first round mock draft. Russ, you're the man, man. Talk to you soon, all right? Appreciate it, brother. All right.
All right, Sammy. Russ had the Vikings going wide receiver there, taking Quinton Johnston, TCU. You know I'd be thrilled about that. He makes a great case about the Vikes finding a guy who can complement Justin Jefferson and just add into the mix of Hawkinson and K.J. Osborne. Your thoughts on going wide receiver here, which I know you've been high on just in general, and thoughts about Johnston specifically inside this KOC offense. Yeah, I mean, you're always so torn talking about this because – the Vikings do have these kind of pressing needs quarterback among them. We had the Hendon hooker conversation earlier in the show. So when you choose to take a wide receiver, you are neglecting other important things. Cornerback, obviously Um, defensive line is a need, especially on the interior and obviously QB. So there is a sacrifice. There's a price that you have to pay to go wide receiver. Um, I guess I'm cooled a little bit on this idea just simply because of the investment they made in Josh Oliver, kind of a tell that maybe they're not as interested in the 11 personnel as they, they might've been before. But, but if you can add talent, a wide receiver two or three behind Justin Jefferson, um, you know, it's good to have weapons. It's always good to have weapons. And you also don't know if your tight ends might get hurt. So having that in your back pocket, it's not a bad thing. Um, it's probably more of a BPA than a pick for need. And that's always a smart way to go. I think Quinton Johnston is an awesome prospect. There's a lot of slot archetypes kind of in this range in the draft. And Johnston is clearly an outside guy. He's an X receiver. He can get vertical. He's unbelievable with the ball in his hands, uh, breaks tackles. His yak is excellent. His efficiency is excellent. Seems like he may can still improve at, kind of using his size to make contested catches and and he drops the ball a little bit too much. But hey, if he goes out on March 30th at his pro day and he runs 4-4, he's probably going to rock it up the board. So so my only my hesitancy would would be I don't think he's going to be there. Like a lot of a lot of evaluators have him as the top wide receiver in this draft. So to fall to 23, um, if he fell in your lap, it means you're probably getting impeccable value. Um and, and I don't think that's going to happen. So in the scenario where you get him at 23, amazing. I don't know if that's the reality that I'm seeing. Um, it'd be awesome. I just don't know if it happens. No, you're right. And I think whether it's Johnston or somebody else, I think the bigger point here is the fact that this is the sweet spot around 23. You got the Ravens picking right before you. They could go wide out. The Chargers picking right before them. They could go wide out where you start to see the run on wide outs go. And it's just a matter of, I think, Keenan McCardell, the wide receiver coach for the Vikes, and KOC sitting down crunching the film and figuring out which one of these guys they like best because there is a lot of them jordan addison usc bolitnikoff award winner josh downs north carolina still criminally underrated i know you'll agree with that zay flowers lightning in a bottle jalen hyatt the tennessee kid who hendon hooker was throwing all those touchdowns too he had 14 touchdowns last season there's tons of them which guy can help you take advantage of all the double teams defenses are going to put on Justin Jefferson over the next three, four or five years? That's the ultimate question they need to ask themselves. And we'll find out the answer on draft weekend. Something we didn't touch on much, Sam, the running back situation for the Vikes. I know it's still a very fluid situation right now, but I just keep foreshadowing the Vikings moving on from Dalvin Cook, whether it's a trade or an outright release, especially after the signing of Alexander Madison coming back on this two-year cheap deal. There's this thought of Bijan Robinson staring them in the face at pick 23, which is crazy to think about. Generational type prospect. And I know, I know, you can't take a running back that early, 
But someone's going to take this guy in round one, Sam. It's going to happen. He's just too special to have all 31 teams pass up on him. It just won't happen like that. I mean, Saquon Barkley went two overall, Sam. So a lot of people think he's better than Barkley coming out of college. What would be just the thought process, though, if he is staring you in the face at 23? You're watching ESPN. You got Mel Kuyper's best available, and Bijan Robinson is at the top of the list. Just as a fan of the game from the Vikings' lens, would you be tempted at all to see him inside a KOC offense and just hit the reset button going from Dalvin Cook to Bijan like that? What are your thoughts on that? I am a proponent of best player available. Asterisk, except at the running back position. Mm-hmm. I I think that based on who is on your roster, you've got three running backs already. Based on the investment you made in Alexander Madison, and, and again, this is in the scenario Dalvin Cook's gone, right? Like So we're assuming that Dalvin Cook is traded or cut. Um, I think it would be an irresponsible use of roster spots, honestly. Like if you have B. John Robinson and you paid Madison, what, what are you going to do with with Wong Wu and Chandler. So Wong Wu is, is apparently just a kick returner and he gets to, you know, return 12 kicks a year and Chandler just gets to sit and be a a game day scratch. Uh, I think you got to be, you have to commit to the bit. You have to commit to low paid rotation of running backs. You, you chew them up and I know it's callous to say, but you spin them out, you know, you use them up and, and you get their, their fresh legs and you get their rookie contract years and uh, I know that Robinson would be tempting to, to have in that mix, but this is just not a position where I think you, you, you go after a luxury item. This is not a roster where you go after a luxury item. I think that you go all the way, you do this, this three-headed monster, and you take your medicine. Even if they're not as talented as B. John Robinson, you can still be efficient and productive. And, and honestly, Luke, so much of running game comes down to your blocking anyway. It comes mm-hmm. down to... How, you know, how good is your passing game as well? Like, what, what's your scheme? Like, there are a lot of other factors that can lead to running back success. Bijan will make some team very, very happy. And uh, I don't think it's going to be the Vikings. You know, I think about the Packers going from Favre to Rodgers over the last 40 years. Colts got to go from Manning to Luck for 25 years. How about the Vikes and the running back position the last few decades? What if they were to go from Adrian Peterson to Dalvin Cook Mm -hmm. and then to Bijan Robinson for the next decade? That would be pretty entertaining and, and honestly pretty hilarious if that's the way it would shake out. But I'm with you, seriously, as special as he is. And I think he's going to be great. It's just a position now that's just so watered down. I say it all the time. I can find serviceable guys so many rounds later and then use those early picks on more valuable positions instead. Is there a drop-off? Yeah, without a doubt. Are are they as electric as B. John Robinson? Absolutely not, and I get that. But give me a first-round cornerback or a first-round edge rusher and a fifth-round running back all day over a first-round running back and a fifth-round cornerback or edge. That's just the blueprint in the NFL now. Positional value is the name of the game because you can always find the Isaiah Pacheco's, James White's, James Robinson's, Rex Burkhead's. Latavius Murray's, I mean, the list literally goes on and on on day three of the draft. This year is no different. I promise you that. Deuce Vaughn, Kansas State, Darren Sproles, clone, Kenny McIntosh, Georgia, Chase Brown from Illinois. If you watched any Gophers or Big Ten this year, he led the Big Ten in rushing. He's an absolute tank. Roshan Johnson from Texas, Bijan's backup. 
criminally overshadowed at Texas. He can play ball too. I also mentioned in that Russell Brown interview too, as we just heard, I think Jamar Gibbs has a chance to be equally as special as Bijan does. When we look back in four or five years, I really do, because he's going to be so special in the passing game and a game changer with that 4-3-4 speed. And he's getting overlooked way too much, in my opinion. And if I was running a team personally, I would rather have Gibbs in round two than Bijan in round one, especially if I meant I get to use that first round pick on a Quinton Johnston or a Jackson Smith and Jigba or whoever it may be, because I think Gibbs is going to be electric in the NFL if he goes to the right team because he fits, again, this passing league than Bijan Robinson does. Not that Bijan can't catch or run routes or things like that. I just think Gibbs is more of a natural fit as a pass catcher, and he's got that home run speed. He can just take it to the distance on any play. You get him matched up on a linebacker out of the backfield forget about it think about jordan hicks for example trying to cover a guy like jamar gibbs and tell me what's going to happen oh wait we saw that first the cowboys when hicks got burned by who was it tony pollard Pollard. was it zeke all game it was Pollard Pollard. on that wheel route down the seam Uh, i mean gibbs is a mismatch weapon just like that i'm excited too real too real because hicks is going to be back it's just yeah too i know i don't i don't like it but also too i can't wait to see where gibbs goes i really can't wait to see a lot of people just want to know where Bijan is going to end up that's going to be a lot of fun give me a guess where do you think Bijan goes because there's such a wide net casted on where this guy could go as high as 10 to philly people are saying but more realistically middle late round one somewhere in that range where do you think he goes yeah I think he goes to a a playoff team like I think I think that the teams that are picking toward the back end of the first round teams that have pretty nice rosters maybe there's a team that's got a quarterback on on rookie money they can afford to take some some swings they're playing with a little house money uh they feel good about where they're at roster wise um I think you've tossed out Philadelphia maybe that's a little late I mean that's that's the 30th pick um but I think he goes to a playoff team and then probably balls out for that team. Like, I think that someone will will make room for him to complement an already really good roster. Um, so I'm going to say 18th or later. Yeah, 18. That just happens to be Detroit. That would be interesting. You know, highest I've seen him go again is Philly at 10. The next pick after that is Tennessee at 11. What if Vrabel moves on from Derrick Henry in some fashion, trades, Mm -hmm. gets a couple picks, and he just hits the reset button with B. John Robinson? That would be hilarious. What if it is the Lions, though, at 18, Sam? I mean, they got five picks in the top 81. They're already having a heck of an offseason already. This Lions team, man, with Dan, it's giving me an ulcer i can't take it anymore i know it's the lions people listening are like don't worry relax pump the brakes it's the detroit lions relax i really think dan campbell is building something special over there and they've just got so many young building blocks and now draft ammo to set themselves up again for a long time in a I guess relatively pretty weak NFC North division when you look at the landscape of some of the other divisions around the league. Last one super quick here, then we'll get out of here. I had Russ rank four possible targets uh, that just get talked a lot about for the Vikings at pick 23. A lot of people connect the dots to these names for the Vikings at 23. I gave them Cansey, Banks, Hyatt, and Miles Murphy. I want to ask you the same, but I'm going to switch it up because he said Miles okay. Murphy would likely be gone at that point. So we'll take him out of the equation. He also gave us John Johnson at pick 23 in his latest mock. So I'm going to make this tough. This is like best case scenario. Again, taking Hendon Hooker out of the equation just for this exercise. Rank these guys in order you like for the Vikes, Sam, at pick 23. Quinton Johnston, 
wide receiver TCU. Lucas Van Ness, the edge rusher from Iowa. Brian Brzee, we've talked about him, a defensive tackle from Clemson. Or Devon Witherspoon. Yep, I I got it. Um, So I'll just say this too, real quick about Witherspoon. Because even though I think he'll be gone, I really do. I I mean, there's a chance all four of these guys are gone. Russ did say, because how small Witherspoon checked in at, he's only a buck 80. And the fact he showed up hurt to the combine with the hammy injury, he may slip a little further than people think he's going to. So Johnson, Van Ness, Brazier, Witherspoon. This is a tough one. All right, I'll start from the bottom. Number four, Brazier. Um, Just more of an unknown you're banking more on his tools, not as productive. He he's pro- kind of a wide range of outcomes there. Um, Van Ness, number three, probably more of the solid solid talent. Could play a little three tech as well as outside. Got good versatility, strong. Um, I like his profile a lot. Probably more realistic too than, than these other two guys. Number mm-hmm. two, I would go Johnston, who again, not sure he's there, but that's a major talent slightly more of a minor need compared to Witherspoon, who's my number one, who is a major talent and a major need. And when the the talent and the need intersect, that's where you circle the player and say, if he falls, booyah. Like, that's got to be our guy. So I think Witherspoon, for sure. I mean, he's a man corner. Yeah, Flores would exactly. love him. Yeah, yep. he's, he's really physical. Um, probably a little too physical from what I've read. But uh, that would be with a bullet, I think, my pick. Yeah, I'm with you. I still go Witherspoon at the top because, again, he's got the best tape, period, of anyone on this list. And at the end of the day, we get so much into these combine numbers, you still got to trust the tape. And I think he would thrive, like you said, under Brian Flores in that man cover scheme. Outlier or not, because he's so small, maybe he shouldn't be drafted so high. Russ mentioned Denzel Ward the last time such a small corner has been drafted that high. And Denzel Ward's been great. So, um, if he's on the clock, you got to be sprinting to the podium if he's still available. Then it's between Johnson and Van Ness. I'm the same with you. Normally, I'm always a defensive guy first. Build in those trenches. They make life easier for everyone around you if you can just disrupt the quarterback. But in today's day and age, with the rules the way they are, favoring the passing game, it's become such an offensive league. I got to go Johnston. I just think pairing him up with JJ, too good to pass up on, knowing you've got two first-round wideouts still to throw to, a la the Eagles with Devontae Mm -hmm. Smith and A.J. Brown, the Bengals, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. So Johnston, two, Van Ness, three. Really intrigued about him. If you haven't already, go sign up for that newest weekly NFL draft newsletter up on the Lockdown homepage. All you got to do is punch in your email real quick, get all the latest news, notes, and buzz surrounding the NFL. NFL draft all season long. That's a wrap today, Sam. Remember, like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Join us every day for another episode of the Football Party, your one-stop shop breakdown of everything Minnesota Vikings. We're a podcast too free and available all platforms. Subscribe, drop us that five-star review. Find us now streaming on your Roku and Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for and download our Lockdown Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's the man, Sam Ekstrom on Twitter at Sam Ekstrom. Check him out every Monday Tuesday, Wednesday, co-host of the Ron Johnson Show. Thanks for tuning into the football party, part of Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. We're back tomorrow with the mailbag edition of the football party. But until then, I'm Luke Inman on Twitter at Luke underscore Spinman. Signing out. Hey, Prime members. 
You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.